Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, listener question edition, where there is a lesson in every story. Each week, the team at HR Stories Podcast shares questions from our podcast audience and provides tangible, practical advice that everyone can use to get HR right. Our hosts today are management and HR consultants, Chuck Simikian and John Tallheimer. What is on your mind today? All right, Chuck, are you ready for question number one? Yes, I am. Shoot it over to this side of the microphone. All right, here we go. Question number one. Is it HR's responsibility to address personal hygiene in the workplace? Wow. Uh, I've dealt with that several times as an HR director. And ultimately, you know, it, it, that's a, it, it depends once again, it, it should be a manager's job to, to deal with that. Uh, at first, uh, sometimes managers don't know how to deal with it. They may feel uncomfortable, but another reason that it may be, they should always get HR's involvement because it could be something that leads to, uh, maybe it's, there's some sort of disability, uh, going on. Uh, there could be, who, who knows what it could be. So it, it is HR's responsibility to ensure that any addressing of personal hygiene in the workplace is done in a uh, caring, uh, but also a non-threatening and well-positive way, keeping many things in mind. So I don't know if that answers the question. That's not a simple yes or no. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, again, I think, you know, to me, like reading the question behind the question, I think I think it's saying, well, should I be doing that or should the manager be doing that? Right. Who should be addressing that in the workplace? And I think your answer is great. As a manager, before I got into this whole HR world, um, I had to address that numerous times. I remember I had somebody that had a odor body odor. Um, and the staff came to me and said, look, this is ridiculous. We can't work in these conditions. You need to address this. Um, and as the manager of the department, I did do that. But I think your point to getting HR involved, because it could there could be a reason under the Americans with Disability Act that that person has those uh, issues. Or let's think about this. It could be a religious accommodation. Um, right. And so knowing all of those things. And so I think, yes, the manager should probably be saying the words, but they need to be backed up by the HR department or the HR professional in terms of religious accommodations, in terms of Americans with disability accommodations, and really kind of walk through that. I would say, right, and I, Chuck, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I would say, please make sure that you have a policy when it comes to uh, personal hygiene, right? You know, so, no, there. yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was, I was just going to throw that out there, right? When you were done with your thoughts, I was going to say, make sure you have a policy that covers personal hygiene, specifically uh, odors. And and I will tell you a, a quick story in regards to this situation. I had to approach an employee, a manager that had extremely bad 
breath. And I've told this story before, but it, it was so bad that we're in meetings and people couldn't sit next to the person. In fact, you couldn't even stay in the same room after a certain uh, point, but it was unnatural. It was unnatural, bad breath. So I had to approach them. Number one, they had no idea. Number two, they said no one had ever told them. And I'm thinking, wow, your family, your wife never said anything. I, okay. Um, but number three, they went to the they ended up finding out in the long run they had some sort of medical condition that they thanked me for later, weeks later, saying that I probably saved their life. Wow. That's fantastic, right? And so again, yeah. right, addressing these things, it's important to address them, make sure that you're doing that, um, especially being consistent with your policy. That's the other thing is right? making sure that you are consistent with your enforcement across the organization. Don't be like, oh, we're not going to do it for this person, but we'll do it for this person. That's going to get you in trouble. All Absolutely. Right. Question number two, Chuck. If an employee requests a reasonable accommodation regarding bringing a pet service animal to work and doesn't follow through on providing the necessary paperwork from the doctor or healthcare provider, what is the employer's role at that point? Ah, interesting question about what is the employer's role at that point? Well, I would say at that point, the employer's role is to document, document copiously uh, the situation and then um, inform the employee that, uh, that, you know, have a conversation with the employee, let them know that they've not brought in the proper paperwork, document that particular situation also, and then uh, move on because you say, what's their role? Their role is to to provide a good faith effort to show that they are trying to accommodate this employee, uh, that they've followed the interactive process, and that they've documented these things. But if the employee did not follow through and there's no other reason other than they just did not follow through. Maybe they needed some extra time or something along those lines. That's understandable. But if they're just not following through and saying, I'm not going to provide this documentation, then uh, your role is to, well, complete the conversation and then move on. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, the one thing that pulls at me is is the employee requesting, oh, I need to bring my pet, my emotional support pet into the organization? Or are they saying, I need to bring my service animal into that, right? And so service animals are dogs of any breed or any size of dog. They can also be small uh, miniature horses. And that's it, right? Those are the only two that can actually be true service animals. Also, true service animals have to be trained to perform a task directly related to that person's disability. And mm -hmm. so if somebody comes in and says, hey, I need to bring my pen in uh, because they're my emotional support, you can have you can have policies that says, yes, you can bring your pen in for emotional supports, but then you're going to follow your policy. But if they say, hey, it's a service animal, you're going to ask them, OK, what is the task that they perform for you yes. to do that? Right. Um, and I think something that's interesting and that we see a lot of service animals are not required to be certified to go through a professional training program. 
They are not required to wear a vest or ID that indicates they're a service animal. The emotional support or comfort dogs, because providing emotional support is comfort is not a task related to that personal's disability is there, right? So emotional support isn't there as well. Um, and so there's a lot on the Americans with Disability um, website that I would suggest that people go and look if they're really having these questions and being very clear of in your policies that yes, we allow people to bring in their service animals, but we do not allow them to bring in emotional support and being very consistent with that across the organization, I think is important to kind of address that there. Exactly. And another re uh, resource is askjan.org, A-S-K-J-A-N.org, the Job Accommodation Network. Yeah. So I think we addressed that pretty well. Um, we went into the service animal and then you talked about what they need to do if, if there is not that documentation presented. And I think that goes for anything under the Americans with Disability Act. If you request medical information and they don't provide it, it's really going like, hey, look, I can't give you an accommodation until I understand your limitations. And so mm -hmm. kind of getting into some of that as well. All right. So, Chuck, we have question number three, but this is a very sp special question um, because it was asked by our producer, Sam. Mm -hmm. asked, yes. Asked, um, and so she asked, she's working at, you know, she works for us part time, works at another company and was asking what should be included in an AI policy going forward. Tell me, what do you think, Chuck? I know this has been something that we've talked a lot about. We talked about it in our episode last week. What do you think? What should be included in an AI policy? Sure. So it's it's interesting you bring this up. It's come up. I've read it on our forum, the HR Team of One Community Forum. People are looking for a policy, specifically AI regarding uh, third-party tools like ChatGBT and and Bard, uh, as well as things that result in images and text and other content that are generated, but what the, by what they call machine learning. So, John, what I did and what we did here at the team at HR Stories is not only do I have an answer to that question, but I've taken the bones of that answer and, well, we've created a policy. So if I can just kind of go over some of the, the key points of that policy, and then we're going to tell our listeners how they can take uh, advantage of perhaps seeing that policy. That's great. Yeah, no, I love that you've done that and really done the research on this. And I think it was something that we get a lot of listener questions and we do our research and prepare for them. Uh, and when Sam, Samantha came to us with this question, I think we, both of us were like, we don't like she was asking, do you have a policy? And we're like, uh, no. And Chuck's like, you know what? We need a policy. This is a question that a lot of our clients, a lot of our uh, listeners, a lot of the people on our Facebook group are asking. So Chuck, you are the person. Take us through what should be included in this policy and then tell us how we can get a copy of that sample policy. Oh, sure. So a couple of sections. Number one, you need to define exactly what AI tools you're talking about. And, and I already did that. Third-party tools uh, like ChatGBT and, and BART. Uh, another section is you need to have uh, talk about the responsible usage of the AI technologies, perhaps have some sort of training and familiarization policy and talk about the ethical 
use, you know, how employees are expected to use and not use AI uh, technology, especially when it comes to any form of discrimination or hate speech. And make sure you, you cover that your harassment policy is still in effect uh, in any type of AI. Are you saying like if I use AI to do something, write an email or uh, create communication out and there is hate speech in it or racial discrimination in it, I as the user am still responsible. I can't be like, oh, well, AI said that. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, uh, built into a, any good policy is going to be a human review. Okay. You're okay. going to have to have some sort of human review. Uh, next part of the policy is data privacy and security. How are you going to handle, uh, your, uh, data and, and the protection of personal information? Uh, and, and a lot of times people are thinking, Oh, I'll just put, uh, all this info into AI and it'll generate stuff back. Well, if you're putting in um, proprietary information, company information, personal information, where's all that going? Well, I'll tell you where it's <laughs> probably going in some giant vat out there that's going to be uh, sliced, dice, regurgitated and used for whatever purpose. So you need to have a policy that covers uh, those those types of protections. Uh, we talked about, uh, and I know we've talked about this several times during our podcast, uh, the quality and accuracy. And we did a great podcast, John, about a, about this uh, about an employee, an HR manager that used AI to do many fantastic things. And the interesting thing was when I was doing some of these researchings uh, uh, for that, uh, number one, I found inaccuracies. I found names of people. I found situations, but they didn't mesh up. They were not true. And the powers that be are calling that hallucinations. AI, <laughs> yeah, AI third-party learning tools like ChatGBT have things called hallucinations. So what do you do when that happens? What's the human oversight and review? Those have to be covered in your policies. Uh, the other uh, areas are ownership and AI-generated content. What I've seen and what I've heard is a lot of companies are just asking your chat GBT or Bard for something, and then they take it and then they publish it. Well, who owns that? Where is the AI content being generated from? And so you need to make sure that you are not violating any third-party intellectual property rights. You have to understand that and respect for copyright and trademark. And then you have to also, uh, on the reverse side, what about your confidential and trade <coughs> secret information? I've, I've, I know some companies that produce code for, um, for, you know, um, it's a third uh, security software company and they may say, okay, let's come up with some better ideas for better code. So they may put their code, someone in the company may say, I'm going to put our company proprietary code in the system and see what AI can come back with. And right. when you do that, 
uh, you better read the fine print of when you signed up for ChatGBT because now that code is out there. It's really right. uh, probably free use. So those are all things. And then finally, I'm going to say uh, usage of results. How are you going to use the, 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 the results from AI? You know, what permissions are you going to, uh, um, you know, attribute to it? Are you going to use them externally? Are you going to use them internally? Are you a, maybe a consultant and you're going to use the AI generated content to develop policies, procedures, pictures for clients and just give it to them and they think you're brilliant. Next thing you know, you're violating all kind of copyrights and they're on the hook. John, there's so many things involved in this and we have a uh, a three-page policy that I'm excited that to share with our listeners. All right, so how will I get that? How will you give that to me? If I'm a listener, how do I get that policy? Sure, just go to our, our website. You want to sign up for our, our newsletter, and this is a free download. You'll get a, a copy of the policy and just go from there then. And I would say pick and choose what works best maybe for your organization. But we did build something in there that given the landscape uh, that is changing rapidly, you know, updates to this policy could happen frequently and there could be exceptions to the policy also. So depending on your company and how you operate, pick and choose certain things here and and go from there. But it's a good, and I got to tell you, it's the only policy out there so far uh, that I have, have seen that's this comprehensive. That's great. I'm glad that you took the time to do that. I know that was uh, uh, an effort of work and love because I know you wanted to make sure that uh, Samantha had something that she could use for her company, kind of building on that. So I, I can't wait to hear Samantha's take on it. Um, but also, I think that um, you wanted to make sure that our listeners had something out there as well. So listeners, go to the team at hrstories.com. Um, you'll see it up there. It'll be a pop-up that you can see so you can download that. Um, and we'll get, you know, give us your email address and you download that. And then you'll have it for free. Um, you can use it in your workplace or, you know, edit it to make make it fit your circumstances. I think that's great. All right, Chuck, I think it's time to end this session of the HR Stories podcast, listener edition. Uh, I think this was a great, great thing. We had three great questions again. Uh, we'll be doing this again in two weeks, so make sure you come back and listening. Um, any final thoughts, Chuck? No, other than that, thanks for listening to the HR Stories podcast, and thanks for listening to the HR Stories podcast listener Q&A, where there's always a lesson in, well, every story and question. Every answer. Every answer. Even. Thank every you for answer. listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using an employment lawyer or HR consultant to handle any legal concerns or HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change identifying information to protect the innocent. The HR Stories broadcast is brought to you by the team at HR Stories. The team at HR Stories is designed to help anyone with HR responsibilities be better at managing the employee experience. To engage with us, 
go to thehrstoriesteam.com and learn more about how the team at HR Stories can support your business or nonprofit. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.